Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Well, we couldn't be more excited than we are today to um, have Mr. Peter Abungu with us. Can you guys give him a hand this morning? <laughs> oh, the second time's a charm. Uh, first time didn't work out a couple weeks ago due to a little COVID situation, but everybody's yes. healed now, um, and we are all good. Well, about six weeks ago, we, uh, or about two months ago, actually, we came and we challenged this church to uh, really think and pray and see what it would look like uh, for us to make a generational difference in the life of uh, Peter's ministry and in the Kabir slums, uh, where we've been partnered with for over 10 years now. This is our, actually our 10-year anniversary there. Um, and we just asked you to think about it and to pray and to see where your family would be in making an investment. So many of you over the years have been involved already uh, through praying for ministries that are happening there. A lot of you have gone on trips uh, with us to go serve in Kenya, as well as send your kids. Because, uh, man, I sure can't remember. Remember that first time when everybody hated on us uh, for going, I mean, I didn't say that out loud, did I? I'm sorry. Uh, for when everybody really wasn't too excited, but then they went, wow, this is incredible. Um, yes. But listen, we are absolutely excited this morning just to share with Peter and to share with this church what God has done. Um, and not only kind of look back, but also look forward uh, into the future of what's going to do, uh, what God's going to do here. So Peter, uh, we have a couple of gifts today. Um, number one, we have a gift from our church. Um, and then in just a moment, I'm going to invite the Stevens family up. Um, and then they have a gift from uh, pastors to pastors, uh, Pastor Mike's uh, ministry as well. Uh, but here's what I want to do. Um, you know, a while back, we started dreaming about uh, what it would look like for Peter to have a resource center in Kabir. Right now, he rents a facility about 700 square feet uh, in a neighborhood between two families. Um, and it's a little townhouse. And, and it's working uh, because there's thousands of people that are involved with Peter's ministry. But we just started dreaming, God, what would it look like for us to come behind something like this, to plant something, to elevate our investment and our partnership with Peter? So we asked you guys to give. But what we didn't realize when we started dreaming about this, that this is a really large deal. Uh, and it's an expensive deal. And so over the time that we started thinking about this, man, the numbers started coming in. And, and I would love to say that, that we're people of faith. But there comes a time when you start going, oh, no, this is a lot of money. Um, but church, listen, we asked you to give. We asked you to come behind this project. And here's what I want to do today. Peter, I just want you to stand up today because on behalf of Burn Hickory, and on behalf of all of these guys that have given towards this project today, I'm going to present you with a check today for ministry for $451,000 today. Amen. Thank you, man. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate you. Man. You know what? I'd love to see that. I'd love to just say that I thought it was going to happen, uh, but I was hoping it was going to happen. And you guys Amen. did it. Amen. Uh, you guys did it. And, and listen, Peter had no idea this was coming today. Um, we even talked yesterday on my back deck about just maybe we have some seed money to really plant the vision yes, for this do. thing coming. 
Um, and we were like walking through questions on what can we talk about to let them give. And I'm like, are we living a lie here? I don't really know. Um, but listen, gosh, you guys did it. And you guys have given Amen. faithfully. And Peter, on behalf of this church, God bless you guys and what is going to happen in the next generations to come. Um, amen. amen. But listen, we're not done because this is just some of it. Uh, so when we started talking about this program and, and talking about what this can look like, um, we knew that it was going to be a lot. Um, and then the Stevens family came to us. And said, hey, we have uh, some resources that, that Mike had in his pastor-to-pastor training uh, funds. And then you guys gave um, in, in lieu of flowers and memorial to Mike after he passed away. And then other people that he had just blessed in this community gave incredibly in his name. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I want you to check out this video uh, before we do that. to say thank you so much first of all because of this meeting and the network of Swaiba that has been so much of a big help to us as pastors. I want to thank Swaiba so much uh, courtesy of Peter Abungu who really has, has a good and a kind heart for God and so committed to see this community change for the good and for God. One of the things that has happened through this relationship is that we have grown close. Something that is so special is the teams that over and over again bring it to the pastors to train us, to teach us, to bring materials to us. And Mike, the pastor, has been coming with great teams. Wow, it is so wonderful. It was heart to heart. It was so personal and we are so much blessed. But since the time I joined the, uh, the, the Brook of Grace Pastors Network, uh, that was uh, started by Pastor Peter. Uh, I have seen a lot of good things happen in my life. First, I've been encouraged to know that the work that I'm doing is not an easy thing, but when God is put first, then everything else is possible. As I work in Kibera, as I work with the youth, as I work with the adults, the things that we've learned here, many uh, men of God have come to be a blessing to us, especially Pastor Mike. The teachings that we've received from them along the time has really helped us to deal with the people uh, who uh, are in Kibera. Nowadays I'm preaching a sound doctrine in my church, and in fact they're admiring when I'm preaching. In fact, three of them are mentoring now. They want to become like me, the way I'm preaching the gospel. And it helped me a lot. I pray that God may empower you again and give you strength to continue teaching us and empowering us for this gospel so that we can go outside there and start preaching the sound doctrine. And we can all give much back, but just to say thank you and to pray for the people that stand with us, that believe in us, that want to see us grow and become a better people for the community and to really bring the word of God out and to empower people. May the Lord bless uh, this team of pastors and may the Lord bless those who are standing with us and even those who come to facilitate the kind of learnings that we receive every time. We just want to say thank you, thank you, big time. Amen.
So along with the gift that this church is presenting Peter this morning, I'm going to invite the Stevens family uh, to come up and be with me. But would you guys just do me a big favor, and would you guys give them an incredible, incredible Vern Hickory. Thank you for being with us this morning. so much. Um, we're excited, we're honored, we're humbled to be here today in honor of my dad. Oh. He loved Kenya so much. Um, he hated traveling. He hated being away from here, this mm. church. He hated being away from home. But of all the mission trips that he went on, he just kept going back to Kenya. Over and over, because he loved the people, he loved training pastors, he loved to mentor and minister to the people down there. And, um, and we're just overwhelmed to be here, and it's just been cool over the last few months, um, I've been able to kind of look through some of the books that he read, and the devotions that he had, and the things that he underlined and highlighted, and then occasionally he would star some things. Um, and I was actually reading my devotional yesterday, and Dad has the same devotional that I do, and he starred this one sentence in that devotional from yesterday, and it says, we forget that we have not only been blessed to be recipients of God's grace, but we have been called to be tools of that grace in the lives of others. And to me, that just sums up my dad's life, and it sums up your life, where God has led you, Peter, and we are so thankful for the ministry that you've grown and the relationship that we have with you, and we're just humbled to be able to be here, and we just want to thank everyone that gave in honor of my dad, and we're so blessed that when we were able to dissolve his pastors of pastors, they asked us to, um, to, to give to something of similar nature, and we know for a fact that dad would not want that money to go anywhere else, and so Peter... We thank you for what you've done, and we are so excited to see what God's going to do through this ministry center. And so we have a check for you for $59,000. So. Love you, babe. Amen. Well, bless y'all. I know it's been a long day today of doing this with us, but we are so excited to see this go towards where Mike's heart is, and thank y'all for being with us. Can we give them a hand one more time for being with us today? You know, as we've dreamed on this project and as we've kind of cast a vision towards this project and it continued to grow, um, here's the reality, and here's, here's where you just know when God is in the middle of something. 
Uh, when we looked at land, um, we knew that it was going to be a lot, uh, just is what it is. And then when we looked at what a facility on the land that we've been able to find and, and hopefully be able to purchase, um, we, we had some initial drawings made, some dreaming done. And here's the thing, church, the total of the land and the building that would be used for all the needs that, that Peter has expressed in just kind of our vision talking came up to $490,000. And so catch this, if you add on top of that the furnishings that are needed to furnish this building, it comes out to just over about five hundred to $510,000, and that is exactly what we have presented Amen. Peter with here today. Amen. How incredible Amen. is that? How Amen. incredible. Amazing. And I don't know about you, but I don't get to do this a whole lot, so I'm a little excited about kind of how God has been in the middle of this and how over 480 different families have given towards this project. And that's incredible. But, but Peter, let's talk just for a minute before you open the word for us. Tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about what is Swahiba Ministries. Because there are a lot of new people uh, that are here. They're like, who is this guy? Uh, and why are we this excited? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, um, I am a man saved by the grace of God. I was uh, brought up in a family of 11 children. Uh, if you understand soccer, that is a soccer team minus reserve. And, uh, <laughs> and um, uh, my dad loved us. My dad was a minister of the gospel. And uh, he was, he was uh, a preacher man. So he, go, he was gone a lot on preaching uh, itinerary. And um, when I was 14, uh, my mom died in a car accident, a car wreck. And um, that that was a very difficult uh, season for my life. And, um, and then when I turned 19, I lost my dad. And it was not until a gentleman by the name of Colin Piper, God brought him from the UK, God brought him into my life to sponsor me through uh, college, uh, gave me a chance to go to Bible school in the UK and, and went back to Kenya in 2002, September, to launch a youth ministry in the slums of Kibera. Now, tell us a little bit about that ministry from, just give us the short version from 2002 until now. Mm. What is it that Swahiba does and what's kind of the, the goal of Swahiba Ministries? Yeah, so Swahiba was born out of my experience as a teenager. Um, uh, when I was struggling as a teenager, I needed to find someone who could come and walk alongside of me and help me understand the challenges I was going through. And uh, when I was waiting for Colin, uh, it was three months before going back home. And I was already asking God, where, where are you sending me? What, what do you want me to do? I knew I was going back to Kenya, but my, my specific assignment was not clear. So I get this chance to wait for Colin at uh, Clifton College in Bristol in the UK. And he was running late. And so I picked up a Christian youth magazine. And there had been a team that had gone to Kenya. Uh, from the UK, and they had gone to Kibera Slums, and they'd encounter a 14-year-old boy who was asking the same questions that I was asking when I was 14. He had lost both of his parents uh, to HIV and AIDS, and he was going through struggles. And when I read that article, it resonated so deeply with my heart that I knew that that was the place where I had to go. I'd never been to Kibera, uh, I'd heard of it. So um, I packed my bags, went back home, and uh, of September of 2002, landed in Kibera, uh, a slum with about one million people living in four miles radius with no amenities. So what did ministry look like in the, in the kind of the mid-range of Swahiba, like the, the year 10 through today? What does it look like? So um, typically when I first, you know, my desire to go into Kibera slums was, was purely to share the gospel, 
evangelize young people and disciple them uh, and walk with them through the challenges they are facing. Um, but as we did that, we, we re quickly realized that we had to meet temporal needs in order to share eternal truth. And so one of the things that we've done, we've tied uh, the gospel alongside with the sandwich. Uh, to effectively and strategically reach the community that we serve. So through that, we've been able to do that through um, uh, the purity programs that this church uh, awesomely supports. Um, and uh, we have about, we have 1,100 girls on the program. The need is huge, but God has given us the grace, grace with that. Uh, and then uh, through the Fast Priority uh, Discipleship, Evangelism and Discipleship Clubs, um, we've been able to, uh, to reach 1,700. Right now, we have 1,700 students in schools within the slums on that discipleship program. Amen. Yes. Now, so we've got 1,100 girls in a girls' purity program. Mm -hmm. We've got 1,700 students mm -hmm in a first priority club, meeting after school, being discipled, trained as leaders. What is this ministry center now going to do for you? What, what is that going to do for ministry? It's going to be phenomenal. Um, just the, the last couple of months in Kenya, schools have been closed because of COVID. So one of the things we did, which was safer for kids or students to come to our office for discipleship. And we developed a manual that, uh, that is excellent that we work with. And, um, and we have a very small space. Uh, and dividing them into small groups of five uh, using the space that we had. We had to get kids arriving at, 11, uh, at, at 8 in the morning, leaving at, at 10 and every two hours until 4 p.m. in the day. And we had 100% um, attendance because we provided a cup of tea and, and, and bread. What this ministry center is going to do is going to allow us uh, to, to have more space um, that is not limited to time. Having us an office in between uh, people's homes means that you can only be so loud, you can only have so much people, and only for a limited amount of time. So uh, one, of the, one, of our, uh, one of the prayers that have been answered is over time, we've had um, young girls or uh, women uh, who, who live in the slums who, whose husbands have abdicated their responsibilities uh, of taking care of their families come to us and say, I need to leave my child here to go and find something else to do uh, for the day, otherwise we'll go hungry. Um, so those families, we give them food baskets, but the best thing that would happen to us would be, uh, would be for us to you now have a space within our center that they would safely leave their children and would minister to the children as the women find something to do with their hands. And by extension, be able to extend our ministry not only to those to those children, but also to their mothers. During the day, we would have, uh, uh, would use a facility for pastor's training. Uh, in the evening, the students would come for, uh, for discipleship sessions. Over the weekends, we would, uh, we would plant a church. Um, and my desire is that we plant a church that is ascending church. That would be a, a, a place where we would disciple, train, and then send other uh, pastors from our church to Amen. go plant churches. Amen. Yeah. So, so in five years from now, or three years from now, yeah. we could see just an incredible, multi-generational ministry yeah. beginning from having this physical location. They, they, this is a really, this, this, this is a God thing. This is a God thing. Mm. Um, I, have, um, I landed in Kenya in 2002, September, uh, to think that God would allow us to have such an, a tremendous facility based on the drawings that we have, uh, on our 20th anniversary and be able to launch that as a celebration 
is just phenomenal. And uh, we, we, our desire is that when we launch, we will launch with a church plant and, and various ministries, um, programs that would allow us to reach effect, uh, that community very effectively for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Well, church, I'm excited today that this is just a beginning. Uh, excited today to hear the word from Peter. But Peter, would you just pray just a prayer of thanks over this whole morning? And then I'm going to get out of the way and let you bring the word to us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you because you are a good God. You're a good, good Father. Thank you, Lord, that you would pick a people like us. Lord, you would use a people like us in spite of us. Lord, we thank you because you, your love is, is, uh, is, is amazing. Lord, we thank you for what the cross represents uh, for us. That today, Jesus is sitting on the throne uh, in heaven and the, the tomb in, in the Middle East is, is empty. Lord, we thank you for what um, your blood represents. That you've cleansed us, that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, we want to worship you today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for all the provisions that you've made. Lord, I pray that may you continuously give us the grace to remain faithful, to remain focused on you. Lord, to, um, to wait expectantly, Lord, uh, uh, for you, Lord, as we serve. May you receive glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, back in Kenya, when, uh, when someone greets you in church, you respond by saying amen, and you say a big amen, okay? So if I say, praise the Lord, all of you are going to shout a big amen, okay? Shall we try? Let's do it. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's very good. I, I think we can even do better. Praise the Lord. Amen. Fantastic. That's, that's really cool. I need to take all of you with me back to Kenya. <laughs> When I go back, uh, I'll receive greetings from, uh, from my beautiful wife. Every time, I, uh, every time I go away and go back, my wife gets even more beautiful. I can't wait for tomorrow. And, uh, and I, have us, I, have so, I have awesome children. In fact, I'm careful about talking about my children because when I'm done, most people don't feel good about their children. God has blessed me some amazing kids. Uh, my son Barnabas James is 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 14, um, and uh, my my uh, he loves to play instruments. He, he's learned to play guitar. He's learned to play um, keyboard, drums. He's learning to play saxophone right now. Yeah, he's he's gifted, and he's learned all that from YouTube. He's a YouTube student. Um, <laughs> Then Joy, uh, Joy is full of joy. She's 12. She's a writer. She would write notes and leave them by uh, the lights. And just, she's, she writes poems. And she's, uh, she's begun to write her first book. So I, I'm excited to see where God takes her with that. Then Abigail is six. Yeah. <laughs> she's a justice seeker. Yeah, she will tell you. In fact, if I want to know what's going on, I'll just ask Abigail, how are you guys doing? Tell me what's going on, and she's gonna lay it out. <laughs> yeah, she, um, Abigail is, uh, is, is amazing. Uh, we've been so wonderfully blessed, my wife Julie and I, uh, over the last 15 years, you know, to, to have such amazing children and, and to raise them. Uh, uh, it's, it's a privilege that God has, has granted to us. Could you turn with me in the book of Luke, if you have your Bible? 
chapter 10. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say oh my. Okay. All right, let's, we're going to start from verse 25. Um, the, this is what scripture says. Uh, Behold, a certain lawyer stood, stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and, you, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and, and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, and whatsoever you spend, when I come again, I will repay so which, then he asked the, 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 the lawyer, this is Jesus asking the lawyer, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him, then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Turn with me in the book of Matthew chapter 9. Uh, chapter 9, we're just going to read a couple of verses there. Um, chapter 9 from verse 35, he says this. Uh, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion uh, for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep with no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want to talk about the heart of compassion. This church is an embodiment of that, that you have not only seen photos from Africa or parts of the world or Kibera, you've not only heard the stories, you've not only come, but you have engaged in a generational manner uh, through your generous and faithful giving. In order to have a heart for, we need to have a heart of. 
uh, and um, a heart, then uh, you ask a heart uh, for what? A heart of compassion. What is, what is compassion? Compassion, as, de as defined in, in the dictionary, says it's a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to solve them. Compassion is passion with a heart. Compassion is not feeling, it's not a feeling, but a commitment to get involved with a hurting people. Compassion moves, moves me to action and puts feet to my feeling. Compassion is love in action. Compassion is a doing word. So when, when Jesus is talking to uh, this, um, this lawyer, uh, you, you would have known better not to ask Jesus such a question. Because Jesus really threw him uh, a curveball. Because this was a Jew asking Jesus about who is my neighbor. Then Jesus gives him a classic example uh, that are two Jews and a Samaritan. And it just, I think it blew his mind. When compassion is associated with, the, with God the Father, um, here are a couple of things that I want you to notice. That he's full of compassion. Uh, Jesus was moved with compassion. To be godly is to be full of compassion. If you are full of compassion, you'll be moved by compassion. Jesus was moved by compassion. And every time he saw a situation... That, 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 that gripped his heart. The first thing that we, we, we see in scripture is, it says he had compassion, then he acted. He had compassion, then there was action. He had compassion, he just didn't say, go, be warmly fed, be warm, be well fed, and go in peace. He didn't say that. When he had compassion, there was action that came with it. The ministry of Jesus was marked by, by compassion. Matthew 14, 14 says, Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed the sick, their sick. Matthew 14, 16 said, he had compassion on them and he fed them. His disciples wanted him to send them away. He said, it's late. We don't know where we're going to get food. Jesus said, look, these people have been here three days. We need to find something. And feed them. So he fed them. Luke, Luke 7 um, verse 13 says, Jesus had compassion on the widow of Nain and raised a son from the dead. This was a widow in the Middle East. If you're a widow and, uh, and you've lost your son, the only son you have, you are in a difficult place. Because, uh, because women did not work. It was men who worked and they, they brought the bread home. So this is a, this is a woman, uh, if you're a widow, it means you've lost your husband. Now you've lost your son. So your, your source of income is completely cut off. And when Jesus saw this woman in, in, in our countenance and, and all the people that were walking with her uh, as they, they wailed and cried and, and there's so much sadness, scripture says he had compassion. When he, Jesus had compassion on this woman of Nain, he did not only hug her and wish her well, he went to the coffin, he touched the son who was dead. And he raised him back to life. Compassion precedes miracles in the gospel. When there was a move of compassion, there was release of miracles. Could it be that we should pray for compassion as much as we pray for revival? That God will continuously move our heart. Do you know what you've done as a church? 
that you have moved us from this small facility that we had, that it's rented, that we cannot put any signs on, we're going to have a facility that we can put the ministry center on it. And as people walk by, and people with needs, and people who need ministry, they'll be able to see the signage and come in and receive ministry. That's what you've done through your compassionate giving. John, 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 uh, first John three seventeen says, but also hath these words good, uh, and and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Bowels of compassion. Now a friend uh, from this community had uh, an experience with bowels movement. Serious one over the last couple of hours, 24 hours. And um, when the balls move, let's just say that when there's action on the inside, when, when there is movement on the inside, there is action on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way there can, be, there can be balls of compassion within you and you don't act. If the bowels move, there's going to be action. And the bowels of this church has moved. And they've been action. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good students. <laughs> Matthew 9, 37 says, The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. In, in, fact, uh, in fact, the message Bible says, There are no hands. There are no hands of harvest. No hands of harvest. When, when, we, when we harvest, it doesn't matter whether you're harvesting corn or fruit or whatever kind of, of produce that you're harvesting uh, from your farm, you've you got to engage your hands, and your hands will get dirty. And that's what this church is doing. And I'm challenging you to go further. Engage your family, your community, your neighborhood, your, your city, your, your, your nation, and the world. Get your hands dirty. Be you moved with compassion. As the, the, the bowels of compassion, let it move so that action may continually be seen on the outside. More laborers are needed at harvest than at sowing because the harvest is always more than what was originally sown. So as you continue to plant, the, the seed you planted uh, through your giving, we're going we're gonna to see generational impact because of the seed that you planted. We've been called to reap, but reaping will not happen until a, a seed has been planted. Jesus was a seed that was planted. And look at what the grace of God has done through his redemption on the cross for us. Jesus told the lawyer, you know the law, now go do it. Because that guy was trying to circle, and Jesus looked back and said, okay, I'm going to put it back at your feet so you can deal with it. So he asked him, who among the two do you think was a neighbor? He was smart enough to give the right answer and said, the one who helped the man who had been um, really hurt by the, by the thieves. And then Jesus told him, Go and do the same. Hallelujah. It's not enough to know the word. We are called to do the word. 
if you're being arrested for being, a compa for being compassionate, for being a compassionate person, is there enough evidence to convict you? Today, if they arrest you for being compassionate, is there enough evidence for you to be convicted? Luke 10, uh, uh, Luke 10 30 says, wounded him, leaving him half dead. They wounded the man. They left him half dead. But if you are half dead, it also means you are half alive. And if you are half alive, God can make you whole again. Amen. Three people that are, that have been pointed here in this in this illustration. <coughs> excuse me. With Jesus, there's the priest, there's the Levite, and there's Samaritan. The the priest walked by carelessly. The Levite came close. He had concern. You see, oh, that is so sad. Oh, that is, it must really be hard. Oh, I hope he finds help. I'll pray for him. <laughs> but the Samaritan, who was, you know, don donkeys were the Lexus of those days, got off his donkey, came down to a position of humility, got down and began to minister to a man that had been wounded and was half dead. Do you notice that actually there was a risk for the Samaritan that he could have actually been attacked as well with the robbers, but he was willing to risk his life because balls of compassion had moved within him and so there was action on the outside. I want to bring a couple of points uh, as, as we draw to a close. And number one, compassion comes to where people are. He came off his donkey as, 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 as he realized that he needed to minister to this gentleman. First uh, Corinthians 9, 19. Uh, for, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more. This is Paul writing. That I have become this and that and so many other things that I might win more. To the kingdom of God. Jesus used the Samaritans to teach a lesson to the, uh, to the two Jews. He rocked their word when Jesus called the Samaritan good. Because they were Jew, the Jewish people, <laughs> there's no way they would have considered, they would have used the same word good and Samaritan in the same sentence. Point number three, compassion has vision instead of sight. Compassion has vision instead of sight. Sight sees what you are, vision sees what you can be. The Samaritan looked through the redemptive, uh, redemptive eyes of God. Paul, when people looked at him, they looked at him as a murderer, but God saw an apostle. Jacob, when God looked at him, uh, Many people, his father-in-law probably saw a, a conman or a trickster, but God saw a nation. Compassion enables us to see like God sees. I see you. I see you. Intensive compassionate unit. When you walk into a hospital and you go into an ICU section, you see so many people working together, intentionally focused on making that one 
sick person get better. God is calling us to have intensive compassion, uh, compassion unit. I see where you are, broken, hurting, down and out. God is seeing you. God is seeing you. Well, no matter what you're going through, he's seeing you. And he's calling you. Point number four. Compassion considers how it receives uh, compassion. Where could I be if God did not have compassion on me? Where could I be? Where could you be? Where could we all be? Romans 5, it says that while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his own love towards by sending Jesus to die on the cross. He did not wait for us to be good or better people. In our very state of sin, he sent Jesus to die for us. His love and forgiveness, his grace and mercy. God has been too good for us to sit on the sidelines. God has been too good for us to sit on the sidelines. Let's get up and give our compassion feet, just like the Samaritan. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Your name, Lord, is more than enough for us. We delight on who you are. We give you praise for your faithfulness has been so clearly demonstrated through that which you've done. It is good. It's marvelous in our sight. And we give praise and honor to you. You are so awesome. May you give us the grace to be compassionate. May you give us the grace for those of us that need to reach out and, uh, and be compassionate to others or receive compassion. You are wonderful. You are gracious. You are merciful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we move into our invitation today, it goes so many different directions. Uh, first of all, if you need to give your life to Christ, I can't think of a better time today of what you just heard, that we have a compassionate God who doesn't wait for us to get fixed and then come to Him. He offers us salvation and a cleansing and a forgiveness and a new life. During these next moments of invitation, I'll be standing right off to the side over here. There'll be pastors that are available, or maybe you just want to click on that Next Steps app uh, in the app, and somebody will reach back out to you this week. But maybe today, you just need to see, how is it, Lord, are you calling me to be compassionate in our home, in our city, in our neighborhood, in my work, in my school. Maybe that's what you need this next few minutes for. Or maybe you need to join this church. You need to make it official. Move from dating to making it real, right? To say, this is where I belong. This is where I want to plant. This is where our family is. I'm a little bit partial, but I don't think you're going to find a better one. Lord, walk with us today in this next moment of invitation as you press into our lives what our next step should be, Jesus. It's in your name. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com next. 
Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burn Hickory app.